you know, I've been, um, I think probably all of us have probably been through a lot emotionally and mentally uh, and intellectually, to be honest with you, over the last uh, two months. Um, I don't know about the students, but I know probably for the staff that are on social media and for for me, uh, I've been so inundated with information and done so much research and tried to stay away from the conspiracy theories, but still wanted to be educated on different perspectives and uh, sometimes feel like overloaded intellectually, emotionally, mentally on everything that's being said about what's going on, everything that is going on in our world, you know, far beyond just our community, uh, our city, our state, our country, just the entire world. And, um, you know, I've listened to a lot of different messages and preachers and comments and different things on on uh, on 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 social media. Uh, most of it great, you know, as far as ministry goes. Uh, but, you know, I feel like we're all like ministering from a place of like trying to get through and get our people through what we're going on. And I feel like. You know, the Lord had put a word on my heart, you know, probably about two weeks ago, I've been kind of chewing on this thing and kind of just throwing it back and forth and allowing the Lord to minister to me through it. And it really has nothing to do with the pandemic or, you know, fear or faith or all the things that we've been hearing about, like constantly, um, which are all good. But after a while, you kind of just you just want to hear about something else. Like, I mean, I want to get my mind away and off from the, the present circumstance, as difficult as it is right now. Uh, and it is difficult. It is difficult. Uh, this has affected our entire life. You know, the economy, and by economy, I don't mean money economy. I just mean the running and the flow of what we've become used to as Americans is normal. Even in a, in a place where, you know, a program where... You know, you may consider yourself being an institution or whatever you may consider this. Like even this has affected our low life and our flow. And, um, you know, for those that of you that are in the program for students, it probably affects you less than what it does for other people or, or on the outside. Um, but it's such a, 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 a big effect on our lives is that even as a student in a program and and a place, you know, closed into the four walls and living in a teen challenge world, it still affects you uh, greatly. Um, and, and that's how much this affects our, our normal flow of life. Um, but I wanted to minister something kind of away from all that, uh, just something different, uh, you know, with the Lord to put on my heart. And it ties into what's going on, but not because of what's going on. It just ties into it because, you know, I believe the word of God and the gospel and 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 and, and all of that ties into everyday life. So it's not that it's disconnected. But the title of my message that I'm going to be sharing with you uh, today is called Used. Used, as in uh, used, U-S-E-D, used. I... I, I I often sometimes think uh, of having, like, a catchy title uh, and, you know, 
I mean, this wasn't catchy. It was very plain. Yeah. But I felt like it was so plain that maybe it was catchy because, I mean, it's just used. It's just a four-letter word. And uh, it makes you wonder, like, what is he going to preach about uh, when he speaks about used? Used. And I'm going to be sharing out of Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. If you could turn there. While you're turning there, uh, just something I wanted to, uh, you know, share with you if you have not been already updated uh, as far as what's going on with our uh, our construction is good news is we had our community board meeting on um, uh, what night? When Monday night, Monday night uh, was a two hour meeting with the community board. Uh, it was the first time ever it was done virtual. Uh, online and it was kind of really weird because I had to, uh, me and Todd, uh, the the had to present the project to 50 people all online. It was just very weird, you know. It was it was odd. You know, had everybody's face and you know they're all looking at you and you're standing in front of them and you're you're presenting a project and blueprints and whatnot. It was different. But the good thing is, is we were uh, unanimously the community board voted uh, voted to approve uh, the project, which is. Which is really, 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 really great because that carries a lot of weight. Our last and final meeting and approval uh, before the project can start is, is May 19th, which is with Landmark. But this meeting carried a lot of weight uh, going into that meeting. So we're really excited. And uh, with, 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 you know, hopefully with everything going in, in the month of June, uh, actually we can break ground, which would mean in, in month towards the end of May we'd be moving out of this house. Um, into over there at Rockaway. So uh, just some things to be excited about and wanted to keep you guys in, in the know um, as it pertains and it, 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 uh, it affects your lives and where you live and everything. But Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10, the title of my message is Used. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, money, more or less. The fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Now, this is, this is Peter saying to the lame man, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took, took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at this happening. Father, we thank you for your grace, Lord, that you've given us for this moment in time, Lord. We thank you for your word, and I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would help me to communicate the thoughts that you've put on my heart. Lord, I pray that anything that would be a distraction, uh, the preaching of your word, that you would take your strong right hand and press against it. Holy Spirit, we give you full reign. 
apprehend my mind, my tongue, my thinking. I pray, Father, that you prepare each heart that sits here before me today to receive something from your word in Jesus' name. The title of the message is used. The word used, I had to look it up in the dictionary as often as we use it. And I'm sure that everybody in here, if I asked you what the definition of used is, you'd be able to explain what it is. But I looked it up anyway. And the definition of used is having been used before. Which to me makes no sense because how can you use the same word to describe what a word means? Used, having been used before. Well, if I don't know what the word used means, how is that going to help me because they use it again? So the second definition was secondhand. And I looked up some words that were uh, similar or similes. Uh, other words that are used for the word used are old, worn, pre-owned. This one I like, cast off. Or a hand-me-down, the word used. Well, what does it mean to be used as people? When we think of the word used, I always think the first thing I think of is, is a, a car. Like the difference of getting a used car and a brand new car. How many people have owned a used car before? Pretty much all of you. How many of you have owned a brand new car before? A brand new. I'm talking... 13 miles on it, because you never get it with zero. There's always like, you know, 13 or 20 miles on it, you know. But it smells different. I mean, it feels different. I mean, I don't know. There's something about a used car. When I got my first, my first a new car, forgive me. When I got my first new car, I just wanted to drive it. And, I mean, it was only a few years back. But when I got my first used car, I was like, man, I just want to go for a car ride. I mean, it wasn't a fancy car. It wasn't something that normally I'd be like, man, I just want to go ride this. But it wasn't used. It was brand new. It, was, it just had a different smell to it, a different feel. How many of you have, have gotten brand new sneakers? Everybody in here. There's something about a brand new, I mean, the first day you wear it, you just feel like you look fresh. You feel like, man, I look like a thousand bucks. It's like, and then the second day you wear it, even though it looks exactly the same, and nobody knows it's the difference of the first time you wore it or the second time, but it just doesn't feel as good as when you wear that pair of sneakers the first time. Because why? Because after the first time, it's been used. It's not, it's not the same. It's different. How many people have been used by people before? Terrible feeling, right? I remember when I was young, we had uh, we lived in uh, uh, Lindenhurst, and we had, uh, believe it or not, the biggest piece of property, I think, in not just our town, but probably in towns all over. We had two and a half acres. Now there, there's, oh, I think there's four or five uh, condominium duplex buildings that are on this one piece of property that I lived on growing up from the time I was about 12 years old to about 15. We rented this house on two and a half acres. And at that time, uh, all, all the neighborhood kids that had mini bikes and dirt bikes and quads, we had, you know, I had a, a mini bike and I had, you know, a go-kart and my, my, my friends and neighbors, they, they had some of them had dirt bikes and quads. And they would all come over to my house and use my property to drive our 
our vehicles and to race around and we had a great time and it was and it was a lot of fun but after i moved off that property my friends never came the same people that came around with their dirt bikes and their mini bikes and and everything didn't come around no more why because they were using my property they were using me not not in such a negative way but i mean the reality of it is is i was being used uh, and, you know, it really doesn't matter now that I look back to it, but I was a little upset when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, and these guys that were my buddies, when I moved down the street and I didn't have two and a half acres, all of a sudden they didn't show up quite as much uh, to hang out because they couldn't use my property anymore to ride their their dirt bikes and their mini bikes and whatever or ride my, my mini bikes and go-karts. So you felt used, and that, that really didn't feel good. How many people have been used uh, in the drug game? Some of you didn't raise your hand. You're lying. <laughs> Come on, we've all had someone hang out with them, and then as soon as the drugs were gone, they're like on the phone like, what are you doing? They're like, I'm out of here. I'm calling somebody else. I'm like, what do you mean? I, you just hung out with me for two days. I spent $1,000 on you. you, you that, that's the, the depth of our relationship. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I found myself sitting uh, on, on, on a bed at 9.45 at a motel knowing at 10 o'clock I was kicked out with no more money. Come on, uh, no one's been there. Am I the only one that's been there before? I'm the only one that's been there before. Yeah, I've been there before. I know what that feels like. That is horrible, especially when it's like, you know, someone of the opposite sex and, you you know, you spent a whole lot of money and they're with you for like a week, or, you know, running rampant and then you're like, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? You feel used. Feeling used isn't good. When you're used by people, when people use you for what you have, they use you what you can do for them. It doesn't feel good. But how many people know it's different when God uses you? It's totally different. When you make a decision in your life that you want to be used by God, when you want to surrender your will and your abilities to God. Because God doesn't just use us like the world. He doesn't use us for what we have because he has everything. In fact, everything we have, he gave us any, anyway. It was kind of like, you know, when I was sitting in McDonald's with my son Dominic when he was young. And, you know, I would buy him a Happy Meal and I would ask him for a French fry. And he'd be like, no. And I would be like, son, I could buy you ten of those right now. Like... Why would you not want to give me one? Why would you not want to do that? And sometimes we're like that with God. It's like we have to hold our life to ourselves, and we realize that God is the one that gave us an entire life, and he can do anything he wants with it. He can give us as much as he wants, and he can take it away. Yeah, we hold our life to ourselves, and we, we hold out on him sometimes. But I discovered a long time ago that uh, that being used by God was different than being used by the world. And that God had instilled a desire in my heart to be used by God. And I believe many of you have come to this ministry for, for, for that. Maybe some of you came in already knowing, like, listen, I'm just going to surrender my life to Jesus and I want to be used by God. And some of you have come here really not thinking about the Lord or, or having any real picture of what this was going to look like or any idea how this was going to work out. And God's begin working on your heart and your life and and, and you're beginning to, to sense that God wants to use you and maybe you want to be used. 
And for many of us here, we're probably thinking when, when Pastor Paul says, oh, God wants to use me, as we're thinking about, like, preaching and teaching or, or being on the worship team or singing or doing things like that. And sometimes that is the case. Sometimes God wants to use people like that. But how many people know that is just, like, the tip uh, 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 of the iceberg? It's the littlest, most littlest part of God actually using a life is to stand in front of people with a microphone and preach and teach. You know, uh, people you think that pastors or preachers, you know, their ministry is, is about coming up here. And, yes, I'll be standing in front of you guys probably for two to three hours today. No, no, I won't do that. But I'll be up here probably for 30 or 40 minutes. And it's like, wow, you know, Pastor Paul worked 30 or 40 minutes today preaching and ministering. But the reality of it is, is, is the teaching part and the ministering part, this part is the littlest, most smallest part of really the part of where I feel like God is using my life. And it's the same thing for you guys. God wants to use your life, and it's so much bigger and so much more than being in full-time ministry uh, or being a teacher or teacher or a preacher or a prophet or apostle or whatever anybody wants to call themselves nowadays is a, or be a social media, you know, giant and be doing, you know, your live teachings. Everybody has got a ministry. Everybody is a TV evangelist nowadays with, 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 with uh, the Internet. So we have this picture that, that that's the way that God uses people. And, and it is the way. It is, is one of the ways that God uses it, but it's a very small compared to the way that God really wants to use your life for his kingdom, for his glory, and for his honor. But like I said earlier, when God uses your life, it's different than when people use your life because when people use you, it's not for your benefit. But when God uses your life, it also benefits you. It also benefits you. Because, number one, if you're going to be used by God in a significant way, and have any kind of longevity, which, which means you're going to have to be in relationship with God. You're going to have to be listening to God's will and purpose and plan for your life. You're going to be in, in, going to have to be in a place where you have to have faith and dependency and trust in Him. And all of those places bring you into a good place with the Lord. In fact, the greater a person's use of God is their greater dependency upon God. I know we can look at some people, uh, we could probably all come up with five names and we could say, man, that person was greatly used by God. But I, I, I guarantee they never came to a place where they felt like where God needs them. The more that God was using them, the greater degree they felt like, God, I need you because I cannot do this apart from your strength, your power, your wisdom, and, and your provision. So the greater, the greater that God desires to use you, the more you're going to have to be up in his face and the more you're going to have to be connected to him and the more you're going to have to be submitted and surrendered to his purpose in your life because he doesn't want to use you like people and just use you for a second or for a skill set or for a talent and then spit you away. He wants to use you, but what he's more important than, than what we see as being used of God is what he does on the inside of you. Like God is not really concerned about how well I can communicate or how well I can preach. What he is, uh, uh, what is important to him is what he does in my heart and what changes he does in me to allow me to bring me to a place where he can entrust me to be a voice to more people. You understand what I'm saying? He's not concerned about what 
what I can do, and I'm only just using me because I'm standing in front of you and you can look at me and you can see you can see me, so this is why I'm an example right now. Not because I'm any more important than any of you or God has any greater purpose for my life than he is for your life or that you guys are going to do way greater things than I've ever thought of even doing. In fact, if I'm doing my job right, you guys will do better and do greater things than I will ever do. If, 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 I'm, if I do the greatest in here, then I failed at what God has called me to do because God has not called me to elevate myself like God has not called you to elevate yourself. God has called you to use you so that you can be a blessing and minister to somebody else so that so that the kingdom can grow, the body can grow, and many can be blessed off of your lives. So we understand this, that that God uses people for different reasons and differently than people use people. We often think that when God uses someone, it always looks like preaching and teaching and music, but this is the smallest part. It's more about living, loving, and serving is the most part. In fact, the longer that I, that, the, the longer that I serve the Lord, I, I, I discover that these things are, are, are less important. And the most important things is, am I being a good, a good man? Am I being a person of integrity? Am I loving my family? Am I being a good husband? Am I honoring my wife? Am I taking care of my children first? More important than all those other things. More important than this, more important than anything. My integrity, am I, am I being honest with myself and with the people around me? Am I walking in truth? Am I practicing what I preach? Those things become more important than the physical manifestation of what it looks like to be used by God. What kind of people does God use? Well, we've seen in, in scriptures that God uses all different kinds of people. In fact, he very rarely uses good people. <laughs> and, well, there's very few real good people anyway. We're all messed up. We're all got issues. We all got problems. And I don't just mean all. I mean all. God used Abraham, and we know Abraham was a liar, and he used Jacob, but we know that Jacob was a deceiver. And, you know, we often talk about how God used David, but David was a murderer and, a, and an adulterer. You know, he used Peter, and Peter was too hard and a loud mouth. And he used John, but John was too soft. And, you know, and he used Paul, and Paul, Paul, Paul was, well, Paul was a lot of things. Paul was a murderer before he was even in the kingdom. And we forget those things when we read the scriptures and we think that God chooses great people and good people, but God just chooses available people. <laughs> I mean, that's it. God chooses available people. Let's go back to the text. I was looking at this portion of scripture. We see where God uses Peter and John and he does something amazing. He does a miracle. I mean, a physical manifestation, a, a bona fide miracle. Somebody that was not able to walk is now able to walk. It creates a lot of stir in the city. It creates a lot of attention. And in, 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 in the greatness of that moment, in the greatness of that event, and in, in the glamour of all of that happened, if you look at that portion of Scripture, 
there's always an underlying message or messages that the Lord will have in Scripture to teach you different principles about what God is really looking for, what God is trying to say. That's what makes the Word of God and the Gospel so amazing because you can't look at it for what face value and say that's exactly what it is. Well, we can look at it and say, oh, the message about is about, well, God still heals. Well, that is a message, but there's a lot underlying messages in this. And one of the things that I discovered as I was reading this is that God leaves little clues and traces of how, in which way, and who he chooses to use to do his works. And to do his, some are great, some are, some are flashy like miracles, and some are just like in small things that go overlooked often like encouraging a brother that's down. You have no idea how God uses the, the little things in your life. And in God's, in God's eyes, I think he values them just as much as the great things. What do I mean by that? You know, I was sitting on the toilet uh, <laughs> the other day. I'm telling you, I'm sitting on the toilet, and I, was, uh, I get my, my, my greatest thoughts. Come on, tell me you guys don't get your greatest messages and greatest thoughts while you're... It's either in the shower or on the toilet, man. For me, God speaks to me during those times. I'm telling you. Why? Because I make myself available and I'm listening to him. I'm, I'm hiding from the kids, the dog, my wife, and I'm just alone for a minute. And God speaks to me. And, you know, I got this thing that, that I happened to post on, on, on social media. And if I remember it, it says, it said addiction is obs- obsessing over a feeling because you're not satisfied with the ones you already have. It was something like that. It was pretty good. It was catchy. And I don't, you know, I'm not one of those guys that puts everything that I think of or tweets everything that happens in my life on social media. Mostly I like to put my kids and different things like that and my dog. Um, uh, but for whatever reason, I felt like, you know what, I'm just going to put that. And I, and I put it on social media. And I don't think anything of it. You know, I mean, it's just there. It's just a comment. It's nice. People say, oh, I'm going to share that. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and it gets drifted off into the world of Facebook. And three minutes later, nobody remembers anything. And it's gone. Of course, I saved it to use it one day in a message, uh, uh, you know, so I can sound really uh, thoughtful at that time. But, but nevertheless, it's, it is what it is. It's just a, a brief 30 seconds. Someone's going to look at that. And, you know, I got a, uh, I got a, 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 a phone call the next day, you know, from somebody that was struggling. And, and, and he, he said, man, I felt like you were with me when you said that. And he called me and, you know, you need to come back in the program. And, you know, and these things happen periodically. But I was sitting there thinking of like, you know, maybe when I was posting that, because it's not something I always do. I, I mean, I think of different things 10 times a day and I don't post them. But for that that one re- that one moment, I felt like, man, I need to put this up, and I did. And then the next day, somebody's calling and whatever have you. And I was just thinking, God, how often do you take those little things that we just take for granted as little nudges in our spirit to do, where we don't know if somebody's life is being saved or someone's being ministered to? Another thing that I did during this quarantine that was so little. Like I said, I got so exhausted by all of the con- the people talking on social media and everybody having their own theories and you know and 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 and, and the p- politics and stuff. I'm like losing my mind over this thing, or reading and looking at this stuff. And I says, you know what? There's nothing that I really want to hear about or know about. I don't even want to hear people's opinions and preaching and teaching. I don't want to know anything. I just want to know you, Lord. I just want to I want to know you, Jesus, right? That's it. That's all that's all I could do. And I said, "You know what? I'm going to post 
the name of Jesus on social media every single day during um, during this quarantine. Just the name Jesus. Like there's nothing to it. I'm not adding. I'm not adding scriptures to it. I'm not adding anything else to it. Just the name of Jesus. And I said, you know what? Just going to put your name out there because you know what? That's the only thing to me that makes any sense right now. And I'm so exhausted by everything else. Maybe somebody else is in the same place I am and they just that will just be refreshing to them. Or maybe somebody doesn't know him or is backslidden. And just the name of Jesus, just the thought of who he is might bring them to a better place, bring them back into a relationship. Maybe for a second they'll just stop and they'll pray to him. I don't know. And I just started doing that every day, and I've done that every day, and I've gotten so much feedback from people, whether they're messaging me on Messenger or they're commenting or they're sending me texts. Man, thank you for doing that because this and that. And I'm like, God, sometimes these most insignificant things, and I'm just using social media because it's just something that was fresh. And I'm like, sometimes these most insignificant things are so powerful. And God wants to use your life and desires to use you in these ways so much and so often and, and every single day and every moment of the day that you have no idea of what your obedience means in the long run for other people in your life. Just simple, simple things. And God wants to use you and your life right now. And some of the points that I got out of this, and I'm going to be real quick. I'm not going to be long. Uh, I got it. God will always use a per. Oh, that's the second one. I'll go to the first one. We'll start with one. Isn't that crafty? But God is in your daily routine. Verse one. It says, "Now Peter and John went up together at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour." This miracle happened as they went about their daily routine. You don't need to go do something different. God will use you right where you're at. Remember, Paul admonished the people to remain. Uh, as they are in Ephesians. He told the slaves, listen, just because you get saved doesn't mean that you need to, you're a slave, remain a slave and serve God as a slave. Just because you're, you're married or even to an unbeliever doesn't mean you need to divorce them. Love that person as you are. Just because you're single doesn't mean you need to go get married. As you find yourself, serve the God, submit to one another, submit to God where you're at. And, 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 and God will meet you in your daily routine. The thing that drives me the craziest, and, 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 and me and Pastor Will have had a hundred discussions about this. When people come to me, they're in the ministry. They're already in the ministry. They're serving God. They're, they're, they're doing something good with their life. And they'll say, like, I feel like God has called me to preach, and I got to leave, and I got to go. And I'm like, uh, I think you're missing the boat. Like, you're already in ministry. God is already using you, and he can use the very place you're in to get you to the next place he needs you to get. You don't need to go leave, you know, 32 days into the program because God's called you to go preach to the nations because I promise you, I can tell you, I know a thousand people that told me they were going to go do that and I may know one that actually did that when they left the program and that is the honest truth. That is just numbers, that's data, that's just experience and I, I get so exhausted when people are like, I got to go leave to go serve God or to grow and it's like, no, God will meet 
meet you in your daily routine right where you're at in the world that you live in. He doesn't need to remove you from where you're at to minister to you or through you. He, the, um, Peter and John were on the way to the temple to go pray like they did every day at the ninth hour. God didn't come to them and say, listen, forget about doing what you normally do. I want you to go here because there's a guy here that needs to be healed. Now, he could have done that, and there are other part, part, times in Scripture that he did do that. But for the most part, 99 out of 100 times, most ministry you stumble upon. You, God opens the door right in front of you. It isn't your craftiness. It is not you saying, Lord, speak to me. Do I need to? You know, it, it's not by, you know, some genie in a bottle. It's not by the writing in the sky. It's not by any of that. It's just doing what God has called you to do in your daily routine in the place that he has assigned you for that season of your life. And as you go about and you walk and you do what God has called you to do, he will get you to the place where there's a lame man sitting at a gate at a place you go every day and God will do a miracle within your daily routine. We overthink this thing, and we get too far ahead of us. And I want to let you know that God wants to use you not later, not when you graduate, not when you go back home, not when you finish Bible school, not then. God wants to use you in your life right now in your daily activity. The other thing that drives me nuts is when there are people like, you know, i got to go to Bible school. God's called me to do it. And, and, and I'm not saying that Bible school is not good because it is good. And there's a time and there's a place. And, you know, and there are some people that I believe need to go and, you know, and, and get, you know, the right hand of fellowship and go do what God has called them to do. I'm not saying there's not a place. But when they've not ministered to the people that are right in front of them, but they think that God is going to bring them onto some stage of 30,000 people every Sunday morning to preach to, but yet the, yet the 30 people that are right in front of them, they've never sat down and shared a word or shared or prayed or laid hands on them. Why would God take you to go do something greater when you have not been faithful where God has put you? I learned this, man. When I came in the program and the Lord put on my heart, listen, I'm going to use you to preach and minister to all these things. I, I, well, where do I start, Lord? Well, you have the walkathon. Why don't you start that 10? And I started with that 10, you know. Um, and, and, and that's just the way that God works, man, is being faithful where you're at. God wants to use you in your daily routine. He doesn't want to take you. He doesn't have to take you out. He doesn't have to take you to some far distant land, Africa, right where you're at. The person sitting next to you probably needs ministry and probably needs you more than you know. More than you know. And God will use you in your daily routine. You don't have to go and skip and do other things and go elsewhere. They were also doing what they were taught. They were going to prayer. The simple things. We teach, we preach, we say, listen, you got to be in your word. You got to pray. You know, that is part of what God has called us to do. If you want to be used, you have to be a person of prayer. Not because um, God needs you to talk to him because he's lonely. Because you, you need to be in his presence to get strength. You need to be in his presence uh, to have a surrendered and submitted spirit. As, as if, you cannot, if, you, if you cannot learn a life of submission personally and discipline personally to the Lord, then you will never be able to have any kind of public ministry or anything like that. But God wants to use you in your daily routine, and he is a God 
that works through prayer and expects us to have discipline in our life. Number two, God will always use a person who is willing to use what they have. Verse 6 says, now silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. And this is a wonderful thing, a wonderful portion of scripture. And, 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 it, and it's, uh, there's a couple things I want to touch on is, number one, is be authentic. Don't pretend to have something that you don't or to be someone that you're not. One of the things that I am, have learned and I'm learning is that, you know, I am Paul Burke. I am not Will Kitchen. I am not Winston. I'm not Josh. I'm Paul Burke. I'm not Willie Ramos. I'm not I'm not T.D. Jakes, although sometimes I like to think I am. Um, I'm not them. I am me, and God has called me to be authentic, and he wants to use me just like he's called you, and he wants you to be authentic and to be yourself. Another thing I wrote down was, if you, if you stay with your gifting, you'll stay in your lane. We've all heard the expression, stay in your lane. Your gifting is always a clue to where God wants to dominantly use you. So that if you're, if you say, man, God has gifted me with my hands and God is, that, that's my dominant gift and I, you know, I can build and I can fix and I can do things, then that's a clue to where God wants to use you. And there's nothing wrong with that. If God has called you because you're an encourager, there are people, man, that I get around, I'm telling you, and you leave like feeling like a million bucks because they have a gift of encouragement. As simple and little as it might be, maybe you have the ministry of helps. Now, listen, I'm, 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 a, I'm a leader. I, I've, I, I have many people that, that, that come uh, and help me do because they have the gift of the ministry of helps. Right now, I currently do not have an administrative assistant. And I'm praying to have a person that will come and that has the ministry of helps because I realize after having an assistant, an administrative assistant, and not having one, how much I really need one uh, and somebody with the gift of the ministry of helps. What am I trying to say is, man, if you stay with your gifting, you'll stay in your lane. God has gifted each and every one of you with with so many different things and that if, if, if you learn what it is, it could be something so simple because usually when you have a gift, you don't think it's a gift because it's something you do. Someone that sings and has a beautiful voice doesn't think they have a gift because they've always been able to do it. It's just, just what they do, you know, so it gets overseen. But there are things in you that are a lot more important than singing. There are things that are a lot more important than, than, than preaching and public speaking that God has placed in you and he wants to use you. But you have to understand that regardless of how little it is or whatever it is, maybe you have a a gift of organization. Now, organized people, they don't realize that it's a gift because that's what they've always been. People like me that don't have that gift, look at someone that's organized and say, man, God has rested their hand on that life right there because I'm a disaster. Organizationally, it takes everything I have in me just to organize. I have notebooks. I have, you know, I have planners. I have 17 things on my books. I got notes on my thing because I I do everything I possibly can to stay organized because that's not my gift. But when I look at someone that has it, I'm like, man, you are so blessed. And for them, it's like, well, that's not a gift. It is. What am I saying is discover what God has given you the ability to do, whatever it is, whatever it is, and use it to the best of your ability. And know this, 
that God does not see, see any difference upon how a person is used. It's just about someone being faithful and, and, and being loyal to what God has given them to do. Some people are great, 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 great fundraisers, and, and they just they got the gift to gab. Well, man, then that's what you do. That's what you do for the kingdom and for the glory and, and, and help help ministry or help whatever, wherever you place. One day if you're at a job, you know, just do the best you can to glorify God in using your gifting and do it. But not everybody has all that stuff. I've seen people that, that couldn't raise a dollar, you know what I mean? In fact, every time they go out to fundraise, they come back, uh, the ministry winds up owing money or something. I don't know. And then there are some people, it's like every time they do something, it's like the, the, the money follows them. It's a gift. You know, it's a gift. Discover your gifts and know that God wants to use you in everyday life. Not wait for his time, not wait till the next season, right where you're at. Say, God, what have you called me to do? What have you given me? And help me to utilize it right where I'm at and to be helpful to people. God will always use, number three, God will always use people that are willing to help people. And he took them by the right hand and lifted them up immediately. He received strength in his feet and ankles. Now, you, you do notice that God did the miracle, but Peter still grabbed him and lifted him up. He still helped him out. You know, if you want to see miracles in your life, in your life, for your life, and through your life, you have to do what you have to be able to do. You can't just lay around and be lazy and say, well, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. Like, you have to work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on him. Trust him and have faith in him, but you got to put the work in. You know, Peter just didn't say silver and gold I have, now get up on your own. He said, silver and gold I have, uh, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. And then he grabbed his hand and he lifted him up. And some of you are saying, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus. And you're looking at situations and you're looking at circumstances and you're wondering like, but are you doing your part? Are you doing your part? You got to put the work in sometimes. Even though, even when you're being used by God, and it could be a supernatural thing like somebody that's lame and, and not able to walk their entire life, but there was still a certain amount of human effort that went into it. Because God's not going to do everything. He doesn't wake me up in the morning and dress me and drop me off here. I have to get up and do what I have to do to do my part. And as long as I do my part and do my best, he's going to do his part. He doesn't endorse laziness, I can tell you that. Miracles involve human effort. Be willing to step out in faith. You know, he had to declare this over this, over this guy and say, listen, he had to take a chance. Like, man, what if this doesn't happen? But Peter had taken chances before. Remember, he hopped out of the boat and sunk. <laughs> but he walked for a few minutes. That's more than any of us can say. And sometimes you have to step out in faith. If you want to be used by God. And sometimes it's great like lifting a person up and praying for them that is lame. But sometimes it's as simple as saying, you know what? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ask that brother if I can pray for him. Sometimes that takes everything you got. Or sometimes stepping out in faith means, you know what? Uh, I'm going to trust God that somehow he's going to take care of my family while I'm in the program. I mean, you got to start where you're at. And you got to trust and believe God. He's God. He's always been God. He's going to be God forever, you know. And he's going to take care of everything just like he said he, he was, he has, and he will. And sometimes you got to just trust him and step out in faith and say, Lord, I, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. 
Sometimes your part is being in a program. Sometimes your part is graduating. Sometimes it's to do other things. But you have to do your part, and then God will do his part. Another thing he did is, is after, after they had a miracle, if we go on, it says, it says uh, in verse 8, so he, he, he leaping up stood and walked, entered the temple, walking with them, leaping and praising God. He walked with them. So not only, not only did he step out in faith, not only, um, n- not, not only what was my first one? Who's listening? He stepped out in faith. What was before that? Oh, he, he, t- what, what, what he did what he had to do uh, to put human effort in, into the miracle was he also walked with them. And if you want to be used by God, you have to walk with people. You have to know that God is not really interested in using people to pop you, put, put you up on a pedestal. But the, re- the people that God wants to use and the reason why God wants to use your life is so that you can walk with people. Walk with people. That means when things are great. That means when things are going well and people are patting you on the back. And it means when you have to answer a phone call at 1 a.m. You don't know how many text messages I look at at 11 p.m. And I'm like, God, if I answer this, this is going to open this up. But I got to do it. I got to do it. You got to walk with people and you got to be available with people. God will use you. The other thing is, God uses people that do it for his glory and not their own. Verse 8 says, so he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. They were praising God. We always have to take inventory of our heart and say, what are my motives to do what I'm doing? What are my motives for being up front? I remember, and this is just me being transparent, when, when I came into the program and I really felt like God was doing something and stirring up, and I knew like I knew that I was going to be a pastor. I, I just knew it. I knew it. I knew it before I went to the program, but I knew it. I, it was like already done. I just knew what God had called me to do. And when I got there, and I would be like, you know, in the program a week, and I'd be looking at the pastor running back and forth, preaching, sweating, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that is awesome. Look at that. Just declaring the word of God and prophesying the word of God and people will be, you know, set free. That is awesome. I can't wait to get up there. I can't wait to to be up there and just be God's man. And you want to know, by the time I got up there, I would rather be sitting back there. (laughs) Generally, God won't promote you to a higher place until that higher place doesn't seem like a higher place to you anymore. Because by the time you get up here, you've probably been through the ringer. And you've probably been through a lot of different things in your life. Ain't that right, Pastor Winston? A lot of hurt. You know, how are you going to get up and stand in front of people unless the Lord pulls you through some things and takes you through some things? How are you going to minister to brokenhearted people until you're brokenhearted? How are you going to talk, talk to, talk to people about God being faithful and providing if you don't know what it's like to have nothing? Nothing. I know what it's like walking up the street 
coming out of jail and saying, I don't have a job. I'm six hours away from where I live because I got transported here by, you know, the paddy wagon expedited over here. I got no job. I'm walking. Uh, the, the closest town is, 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 a, is, is a 45, 50-minute drive to where I've ever been in my life, and I got to walk hours in these jail. Have you ever worn jail slippers before? Dude, my feet were bleeding so bad, man, so bad. And I was a backslidden Christian, but I knew, God, I'm your son still. I made some mistakes, but I know what it's like, God, to come through and to provide for me. I know what it's like walking up on somebody and having a conversation and them giving me a job and a place to live in one conversation. I know what that's like. And that wasn't by my strength or my power. That was God answering a broken, addicted, troubled young man's life. I know what that's like. And God will take you through, and some of you have already been through a ton of stuff before you ever get to the place. A lot of hurt, a lot of mistakes, some of our own things. But he'll want you to do it for his glory and not for your own. And be sure that he'll squeeze every bit of your own out of you. And sometimes it's painful and sometimes it hurts. But the thing I don't want you to miss is the moment when you walk with people when you're used by God. Because there's nothing greater than meeting someone in their most broken moment and walking with them through it. There's nothing greater than seeing somebody who was addicted to drugs and lost, who had no hope, whose family would not talk to them to all at all. And to see them go two, three, four, five years down the road with a family, serving the Lord, living a good life, and know that you played part. There's nothing like that. There's nothing, nothing in the world, there's no money that you can repay that, that, that is better than that. And I bet you that Peter, and, and Will, you can come up. Peter and, um, Peter and John, I bet you, like, when they saw this man leaping and jumping, and even though they knew that God did it, they had to feel like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for taking me off a fishing boat worried about catching fish to doing this. Thank you, Lord. There is nothing greater than meeting Someone in that moment, in their most broken moment, and then celebrating God giving them a miracle. Don't miss those moments in life. And sometimes it's not as, as extravagant as someone that's, that's crippled coming off the floor. Sometimes it's as, as easy as someone saying, you know what, I had suicidal thoughts today. Thank you for talking to me because I feel better. And it might just get them through the next couple hours. Sometimes it's moments like that. Sometimes it's like this. Stopping and buying someone something to eat. Or meeting any kind of need that a person may have. There's no moment like that. And when you open yourself to be used by God, you will have countless moments like this. Because God cares about people. He doesn't care about uh, the, the, the fame and the fortune. Not that all, all of that stuff that comes sometimes with successful ministries is bad. But that's not God's end game. He cares about people and he loves people just like he loves you and he gave you an opportunity to come here. God wants to use your life.
God desires to use each one of you for great things and for small things. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 through 21 says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone's names of the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. God wants to sanctify you so that you're useful to the master. Sanctified means set apart. It also could mean clean. God wants to set you apart from the rest of the world. And he wants to clean you and wash you. And he wants to prepare you for good works. You ask, Pastor Paul, well, what is the cost? A.W. Tozer said it like this. It is doubtful whether God will bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Pastor Paul, what is the cost? Jesus said, pick up my cross, pick up your cross and follow me. And when he said this to the disciples, they didn't really know what he was meaning. But we look back to this. He was telling them, pick up your cross. You must die to yourself like he had to die to himself. And you have to put the purpose why he wants to use you before your own life. Doesn't mean he won't bless your life. Doesn't mean he won't take care of your life. It doesn't mean that your life is not important. But what's most important is what he wants to do through your life. He told them, listen, you need to pick up your cross. You need to pick up the same thing I went through, the same suffering I went through, the same amount of submission and surrender I went through. And you got to be willing to say, Lord, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. Because if that pleases you, if that makes me a vessel of honor... I no longer want to be a vessel of dishonor and disgrace, but I want to be used for your kingdom's glory. My wife posted something I just loved the other day, and I want to share it with you. It says, your calling is going to crush you. If you are called to mend the brokenhearted, you are going to wrestle with brokenheartedness. If you are called to prophesy, you are going to struggle controlling your mouth. If you are called to lay hands, you will battle spiritual viruses. If you are called to preach and teach the gospel, you will be sifted for the wisdom that anoints your message. If you are called to empower, your self-esteem will be attacked. Your successes will, will be hard for and dragged through the mud of gossip. Your failures will be highlighted all over your flaws will be introspected. Your calling will come with cups of thorns and sifting, and that is necessary for your mantle to be distilled, authentic, humble, and powerful. Your crushing won't be easy because your assignment is not easy. Your oil is not cheap. So, so, so the buckle stops with him. And you, because Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of your faith, for who the joy set before him even endured the cross, the ridicule, the mockery, and the beating, and the stripping, while despising the shame, has sat down at the right of the throne of God.
And if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean. You will be ready for the master, and he will use you for every good work. Is there anybody in here that wants to be used by God? Is there anybody in here that wants to be used by God? Are you willing to pick up your cross and follow him? Are you willing to endure the shame he endured? Are you willing to say no to the world and yes to him? This is the gospel message. It's not all about blessing and prosperity, although there is blessing and prosperity. It's about saying no to something that's less than and yes to something that's greater. It's saying no to the things of earth, of this world, of this time, and yes of the life in the world to come. Is there anybody that wants to be used of God? Father, we stand before you broken people, needy people. In our own well-being, we're not fit to be used for anything, Lord. But in you, in Christ, we are being prepared for every good work. Is there anyone on the sound of my voice you say, you know what, Brother Paul, I've never really made a commitment to Jesus. I made a commitment to getting off drugs many times probably. I made a commitment to being a better person. I made a commitment to having a better life, but I never really made a commitment to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just where you are, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. If there's anyone, say, you know what? I've never really truly made a commitment to Jesus.